Okay, um, so I know we just prayed, but I'm going to pray again before we open our time together. So if you could bow your heads with me, that'd be great. Um, Dear God, I just thank you so much uh, for this opportunity just to get to uh, share your word. God, proclaim your truth. God, I pray um, that God, none of these words are my own, but God, they're all yours. And so um, I just pray that you have your way and you speak through me. And um, I pray for open open hearts and open ears to hear um, your word. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. So as you can see, we're in 2 Timothy, and we've been in 2 Timothy for, I think, five or six weeks now. I might be wrong. Um, But we are in 2 Timothy, and the scripture we are going over today is all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So a little bit of the overview story on 2 Timothy is Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome, shortly before his death. Um, So Paul was giving his mentee, Timothy, a um, bold, clear um, call to continue the gospel despite his suffering that he's in. Um, And Mikey spoke last week on false teaching, so if you haven't listened to that yet, I really encourage you guys to listen to that because it was super good. Um... So we have three main points here in this passage, and my first point is scripture is inspired by God, meaning that it is God, God breathed himself. Um, my second point is um, God's word is profitable for teaching, for um, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And my third point is um, the main goal of this passage is that we as believers would be complete, ready for any and everything that is thrown our way. And so my first point, like I said, is scripture is inspired by God, meaning that it's God-breathed. And when I was prepping this, I was like, okay, I'm going to do 11 reasons as why we trust the Bible, but I'm not going to go into detail on each of these because it would probably take me two hours to explain why we trust the Bible. But I have 11 main points. I think, Sully, I have it on the slide. So 11 points on why trusting the Bible. And the first one is the Bible claims to be the word of God. Meaning, the Bible, was, the Bible claimed to be the word of God over 2,700 times in Scripture. My second is the Bible is a unique and continuous story. My third is the Bible can be tested by history. Fourth, we have science, we have geography, archaeology, prophecy, manuscript evidence, Israel, transforming effect, and topology. So, as I was prepping this, I was like, I want to go over one that has just honestly transformed my life. And so I'm going to go into transforming effect. And if you guys would like to um, know about each of these more, and we can go into detail on each of these, just reach out to me. I'd love to meet you for coffee or lunch, and we can go over these. But this is what we studied a lot of the first semester at the Kanekuk Institute, which is which I graduated last year. So we can talk about that later if you guys want to. So I am going to go over transforming effect. And I just wanted to talk about kind of my personal story and how scripture has transformed my life individually. Um, And so I wanted to start out with the gospel because that has transformed my life, my heart, my, my, my literal life. And so I don't think I really understood what the gospel was until my senior year of high school. Um, I definitely confessed with my mouth and blades in my heart when I was like seven years old, but I didn't really actually know what the gospel meant. Um, that Jesus literally died for my sins. Um, and so Romans 3.23, it says, for all, have fall, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's our free gift from God. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And like I said, I confessed that in my mouth, confessed that and believed in my heart at a young age, but I didn't truly know what it meant. I didn't know. I would think like, okay, I just sinned. Like God doesn't love me anymore. Like why do I keep sinning? Why, why am I still falling back into these patterns? And not till I, my senior year, I really realized, like, God, he, he loves me no matter how bad I sin. He loves you no matter how bad you sin. He, he paid that price on the cross for a reason, for a purpose, and you have purpose. You have meaning. Um, my second one is Psalm 139, and this verse has just meant a lot to me as well. Um, I have struggled still to this day, but it doesn't um, hold my life anymore. I've struggled with an eating disorder since, like, ninth grade, and through ninth through twelfth grade, it was just like one of my lowest seasons in, li- in, in life, honestly, and so Psalm 139 has been a lot to me because I would look at this verse, honestly, and I would just get really defeated every time I read it because I would say like, okay, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made, but what does that actually mean? And so I would look at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, God, I don't like what I, I don't like what I see. Like, this verse is actually like making me extremely upset because like I was looking at those words like fearfully and wonderfully made and seeing like okay God I don't like what I see so like this isn't true until one day I was meeting with my mentor and she was like asking you need to do a word study on the words fearfully and wonderfully made do you know what those actually mean and I was like I mean is it supposed to mean that I'm supposed to like what I see and she's like go home research it whatever so I was at home and I was researching what the words meant and the words fearfully and wonderfully made mean we're to fear God and to worship God with our bodies and that just changed my whole perspective on what this word means what this passage meant that we are literally our bodies are not our own God doesn't look at the outward appearance God looks at the heart and so what's actually in your heart and so my last one here that we're going to go over I have so many verses but these are like the the three that really stuck out to me is 2 Timothy 1.7, and Will went over this passage a few weeks ago, and it's, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And this verse is honestly, like, I can't tell you, like, the peace that this verse has brought me. Um, I have struggled also with anxiety for years, and my parents are here, like, they, they know this story, because I, like, all through high school, like, was just overcome with fear, overcome with anxiety, like, wouldn't leave my house, like, honestly, like, was just in such a low season, and this verse, my mom, (laughs) I would wake up in the middle of the night, like, just overwhelmed with fear, and, like, this makes me, like, cry sometimes, because it just, like, hits hard, but, um, it's as, she would, like, hold me, like, when I would have these anxiety attacks, and just, like, tell this over and over, and so, like, I felt that peace, and so, this verse is just, like, just change me and like still to this day like I'll be having anxiety attacks and like I will just like proclaim this over and over until I feel that peace from God and it's just so real like scripture is breathed out by God and like he's the only person that will give me that peace he's the only person that will bring me that comfort and so anyway that's a little bit about my story um and so I love this quote says the bible was not written to satisfy your curiosity but to make you conform to Christ's image, not to make you a smarter sinner, but to make you like the Savior, not to fill your head with a collection of biblical facts, but to actually transform your life. 
And so I loved that scripture. My second point that we're going to get into is God's word is profitable. So when I was reading this, I was like, I don't really know what the word profitable means. Like, okay, all scripture is God-breathed, meaning that it's profitable for, and then it goes into the four points that we're going to dive into. So the word profitable means useful or beneficial. So God's word is God-breathed, meaning that it's useful for these things. And so what this means is it comes from a root that has the idea of heaping up or accumulating something that will give you a benefit or an advantage. So that's what the word of God does. There is an accumulating benefit that comes from the regular study of God's word. It builds up in your, in your daily life, day by day, things that are beneficial, beneficial to becoming a more mature person in Christ. And I wish I could say I came up with this analogy, but I didn't. This just made sense in my head. So it says, first you learn simple math, then algebra, then trigonometry, and finally calculus and theoretical math. It all accumulates to making you a competent mathematician, just like the word of God. So like we learned so far, scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable, meaning that it's useful. Our third is that it's useful for teaching. And when I think of teaching, I think of Will Washington because he is in here teaching us every week, week after week, um, and it's used to instruct people to know God better. And I have some, wor- some verses on that. I have Colossians 3.16, which I have it on the slide here, but I don't know. Um, the second one is reproof, and reproof is used for reproof or rebuking, is used for exposing or pointing out sin, and I have Galatians 6, 1 on that. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then we have correction, and correction is that scripture points out sin and offers a solution to it. So we know that we're sinners, but we have a solution to that sin through scripture. And I have Hebrews 12, 11 on that one. For the moment of all disciples seems painful rather than pleasant because it does seem painful in the moment, right? But we have a solution to that, which is pointed through scripture, through God's word. Um, and so then we have training in righteousness. And this is like teaching, but training is more focused on practical application. From scripture, we learn what is true, what is wrong, and how to correct wrong and how to apply truth. And so this, like, again, is like teaching, but it's more focused on practical application. So we turn to scripture, we see that there's a solution, but how do we practically apply that to our lives? So I have 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 there. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So the main goal of this passage here is that we as believers would be complete and ready for any and everything that is thrown our way. We would have to have scripture to fight off these temptations, to fight off sin, to fight even the joy, or not fight, but just for the joys of life. Like we look to scripture through all of this. And so we have to be completely equipped through the word of God to fight these things that harm us and um, yeah, so Ephesians 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, his, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
Um, another verse that I love here that how I, Kelsey's in here actually right now, but uh, we were meeting like the first like week that I worked here and I was just like overcome with like all these like what ifs, like I don't know, like I don't know if this is it, I don't know if Dallas, like all these things. And she like looked at me and she was like, what, like, what is true of your life right now? Like, tell me what's true of your life. And she was pointing me to this scripture. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there's any excellence, if there's any of praise, think about these things. Dwell on these things. Um, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. So when we think about things that are pure, when we think about things that are true, when we think about things that are honorable, the God of peace will be, be with us through those. Um, and so I have one application question. I'm like, I was going to come up with a few, but I just have one that I want you guys to think about. It says, if, if the Bible is as important of our lives as we say it is, what will you do to intake to, sorry, what will you do to increase your intake of God's word? Um, okay, so pray with me. Um, Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you just for who you are. I thank you for just your word and your truth and um, your promise. Um, I pray that you just be with us this week, God, as we just um, go out about our week. Um, God, I just, we love you so much. It's in your son's